Welcome, everybody, to episode number five of the Fighting Irish Daily Blitz. I'm your host, Rob Fedoff. You can find me at Twitter, at P. Fedoff. Again, that's at P as in Paul, T as in Tom, H-I, T as in Tom again, O-F-F, Frank Frank. Again, for all Notre Dame athletic updates, just go to my Twitter page and everything will be there. Some quick notes. You know, like I told you guys last week, I was 99.9% sure this was not going to happen, meaning he wasn't going to Notre Dame. Five-star quarterback Dante Moore out of Martin Luther King Junior High School in Detroit chose Oregon on Friday instead of going to Notre Dame. From all the accounts and sources I talked to and, like I said, websites I went to, he was pretty much committed to Notre Dame up through like April or May. And then he, for whatever reason, what happened, I don't know if it's, it looks like he probably got a better NIL deal at Oregon with Nike and everything, Phil Knight being out there. We'll probably find out more as the weeks go by. But Dante Moore is going to Oregon. Good luck to him. Uh, but that that tells us we, we still need to get a quarterback in this class. I know C.J. Carr is coming in 2024, and he may reclassify to the 2023 class. But if he doesn't and Tyler Buckner doesn't work out and Drew Pine doesn't work out, Again, I still think the quarterback is what's keeping us from really competing for a national title to have a legit chance. So that's a topic for another day. I want to talk today, Adrian Dantley. I promised you guys I would talk about this before all the recruiting and other stuff kept popping up last week. We talked Bill Lambeer last time. So again, Adrian Dantley, he wasn't as, I would say, like hated as Bill Lambeer, but he wasn't really looked upon in the greatest light. A lot of people thought he was just a selfish player in the NBA. He just, you know, cared about scoring. And, you know, statistics would tend to agree with that. He was one of the greatest scorers in NBA history, as well as at Notre Dame. But I think as we get later into this podcast, I'll explain, I think he was unfairly judged. And I think that was a lot due to the Pistons front management and also Isaiah Thomas big time when they traded him in 89 before they won the title. So just some quick um, background on Adrian Dantley. He he went to high school at DeMatha Catholic High School in Hyattsville, Maryland. And if that sounds familiar, that's where Coach Bray went to high school as well. Coach Bray, our men's basketball coach. So there's some, there's some ties to Notre Dame there, uh, even back in the 70s. And he ended up, he was a first-team All-American at Notre Dame for the 74-75 season and the 75-76 season. He ranked second all-time in point total at Notre Dame at 2,223 points and holds a school record for free throws made at 615 and free throws attempted at 769. So obviously he was shooting a lot, scoring a lot, and again, I think he gets mislabeled as being a selfish player. So just some more background notes. He, in 74-75, he averaged 30.4 points per game. And that and then in 75-76, his last year at Notre Dame, 28.6. So both his last two years at Notre Dame, he was in the top five in the nation in scoring. And even now, I know, you know, like the talent, they seem to always say, you know, the kids nowadays are a lot more talented. They're just not fundamentally sound. I don't see these numbers hardly at all anymore in the college game. Now, granted, there's not as many juniors and seniors in the college game because everybody's leaving early, but those numbers are just unreal at the time. And then two in the 76, 
he left after the 70 his junior season in 76 and but he ended up going back in 1978 to get his degree in economics so he left school early but came back to get that degree and when he left in 76 he was on the US Olympic team that won gold so great great college career and then as he got into the pros let me just do one other thing. I want to check one other stat right here just to give you guys a opinion. So his for all three years at Notre Dame. Yeah, this is insane. So his first year as a freshman, and that was the team that upset his freshman year, the team that upset UCLA. They had that 88 game winning streak and they were upset in South Bend. That was Adrian's freshman year. Huge. One of the biggest upsets in NCAA history. As a freshman, he averaged 18.3 points per game. And then, like I said, his sophomore year, 30.4. Junior year, 28.6. And he was also boarding pretty good, too. Rebounds his freshman year, 9.1 boards per game. Sophomore year, 10.2 rebounds per game. And his junior year, 10.1 point, points, rebounds per game. So 10.1 rebounds. Per, so he averaged pretty much a double-double. All three years, okay, 9.1 rebounds his freshman year, but pretty much every year he had a double-double. So now, he was drafted by the Buffalo Braves, which I believe is now the Los Angeles Clippers. So they moved out to L.A. in the late 70s. Then he went to Indiana, two years with the Lakers. He spent most of his time, even though we mostly know him from the Pistons, he spent one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years in Utah. And then he got traded to Detroit. Then he went to Dallas and then finished up in Milwaukee. But he led the league twice in scoring, the NBA that is. 80-81, 30.7 points per game. The next two years, he didn't lead, lead the league in scoring, but he averaged 30.3 points per game, 30.7 points per game. And then he finally got the scoring title again in 83-84. He averaged 30.6 points per game. So now I noticed his rebounding did kind of trail off a little bit. He was only averaging between about five to six rebounds per game. Again, he gets that title of being a more or less just a scorer and somewhat selfish. But then when he got to Detroit, 86-87, he averaged 21.5 points per game. 87, 88, 20 points per game. And the year they won it in 88, 89, even though he got traded before he got his ring or didn't get his ring, I should say, 18.4. But here's the thing. Once he got traded to Dallas, he upped his average by two points. He averaged 20.3 compared to 18.4 uh, with the Pistons. So, again, heck of a score, heck of a player. Again, he, he kind of got labeled as just, you know, Caring about scoring, his own stats. I know I, I just remember him, you know, backing down an opponent for about five, six seconds and then doing that little fadeaway shot that he was so good at. I remember him too being a great free throw shooter as well. But let's let's get the main subject why I, I did this podcast here. So again, the if I go back to the stats here in 86, 87. The Detroit was 21.5. He averaged 21.5 points per game. They lost in a seven game series to the Celtics, which they probably should have won. 87 88, he averaged 20 points per game. And they got to the NBA Finals where they lost in seven games to the Lakers. And had it not been for a bad call on Bill Lambeer, fouling Kareem Abdul Jabbar, 
they probably would have won that. So he would have had his ring. And then 88-89, Detroit got off to a great start. And they are somewhat struggling in the midpoint of the season. Actually, Cleveland was number one in the conference rankings for the number one seed. And there was some bickering between Adrian and Coach Chuck Daly. And then Isaiah Thomas was pretty much saying, too, we need to make a change. And things just kind of got worse from there. They were, like I said, I think they were trailing the Cavs by maybe like five games. But even to me, even if they had been only the second seed in the conference, Eastern Conference that year, I still think they would have beat the Cavs. The Cavs, they were a pretty good team with uh, Mark Price. Uh, who else was on that team? Mark Price, Craig Elo, Brad, Brad Doherty, Ron Harper. But they were, they were pretty, like I said, great offense team, but they were very soft. And during that time, there was, as you know, the bad boys, they played pretty physical. Cleveland was not a physical team. I just think they could have out-muscled, out-physicaled, if that's such a word, Cleveland in a seven-game series. So I don't even think they would have needed that one seed, but they thought they did. And again, what ended up happening midway through the season, like I said they're struggling somewhat. And you can get you know, the specific details if you check out the Bad Boys documentary on ESPN. But more or less, the president, Jack McCluskey, and uh, Chuck Daly, I'm sorry, Drew Blank, Chuck, head coach Chuck Daly was saying, we need to make a change. Adrian was being a cancer to the team, even though it was more or less Isaiah Thomas saying this. Isaiah Thomas wanted his childhood buddy, Mark Aguirre, who pretty much had the same stats as Adrian to be part of the Pistons. They did not like each other. And then even in the documentary, Adrian Dantley said too, yeah, I struggled with the coaches a little bit. There was some bickering back and forth, but Isaiah didn't like me. So he, they got rid of me. And the thing was too, if you look at Mark Aguirre's stats, I keep saying they were pretty much the same. Like I said, Adrian is averaging about pretty much 20 points a game. When Mark Aguirre came over from the Mavericks to the Pistons, even though they thought he was a better defender. Maybe that was the case. But again, it was more or less just it was it was just a wash, in my opinion. He averaged when he came over to from the Pistons or from the Mavericks, 21.7. What I tell you, Adrian Dantley had 20 points per game. And then when he went to the Pistons, his average went from 21.7 to 14.1. So again, he was more or less. Focusing on defense, and I think Isaiah's numbers went up too. But the thing was, what just kind of irritates me is like so-called the corporate management was so afraid of Isaiah Thomas. Again, great player. Don't get me wrong. One of the best point guards, one probably the top five point guards, and probably the top two point guards at that time. It was probably Magic, him, and John Stockton. But again, he had so much power that the powers that be who was actually running the Pistons, Jack McCluskey and Chuck Daly, the head coach, I think we're so afraid of him. It's like, we got to make Isaiah happy. Let's make the trade. Like I said, it's more or less a wash the players offensively and we can still win a title. Now, granted after the trade, they did go 30 and four, but again, I, I think they would have still had a similar type record had they just kept Adrian. And if Isaiah hated him that much, if he is a true leader, he could say, Hey, I know you don't like me. You don't, you don't like me. I don't like you. Let's win a title this year. We can get you out of here next year and, you know, start, we can get Aguirre in next year and just start from scratch. That's what I would have done. Everybody would have been a lot happier. 
AD would that's what they called him. AD would have had his ring. But again, Isaiah had so much control, corporate BS control, where his own bosses were afraid of him. And again, the thing is too, again, not to digress too much, but like Michael Jordan couldn't stand Isaiah as well. And when the Pistons had walked off the court, when the Bulls finally beat them in 91, yeah, in the 91 Eastern Conference Finals, instead of shaking their hands, like to show some class, they just walked off the court and Isaiah led that. Michael Jordan didn't forget that. And also the interesting thing here is too, like I said, Chuck Daly, I think was afraid of him and Jack McCluskey, uh, who was either the president or owner. I apologize for not knowing the exact title there. But I wanted to kind of wrap this up within a 15 to 20 minute podcast without too many details. He, they were, Jack was part of the committee for the 1992 Olympic team and Chuck was the actual coach and they left off Isaiah. That should tell you a lot right there where it's like, Hey, this doesn't have to do with our immediate team, the Pistons, but to get that gold medal, because the thing was at that time, we were using college kids, and after 88, we could not win the gold without our pro players. And once we found out, you know, the pro players can be a part of it, the dream team was created. And again, they left off, and I know Jordan was a big part of that too because Jordan couldn't stand his guts either. But Jordan, Jack, and Chuck, like I said, Isaiah's bosses kept him off that team too. That should tell you one thing right there, that he's most not the easiest person to get along with in that, you know, team, even a a corporate type of environment. And also, if he was that bad, why are his teammates, and I'm bringing up the quote right now, even though some of the teammates at the time said too, yeah, Adrian was kind of, you know, kind of button heads with Chuck. And, you know, we were were struggling as a team and we need to make a change. Well, now as I look at certain quotes here, and this was from an article few years, pretty, a few years back right here, Joe Dumars, probably one of the classiest of the bad boys. He never got in fights, just a real straight and narrow guy, total class act. He called Dantley the best teammate he has ever played with. And John Sally, remember him from the Pistons, called him his mentor. Sally publicly acknowledged not only that 80s role wasn't disrupted for the team, as it was later shown by quite the contrary. He was a vital part of the team and and thus deserved to stay. So more or less, just because Isaiah didn't like Adrian Dantley and he wanted his buddy, Mark Aguirre, who grew up in Chicago, again, a a type of corporate BS and his bosses were too afraid to say, shut it down. We're going to get this title now. We'll worry about, you know, UNAD butting heads next year and we can trade him then or do whatever. Heck, trade Isaiah. You know, I think he had signed like a lifetime contract at the time, but you can always, you know, break up the contracts. But again, just to kind of, and again, I know this is more an Adrian Dantley podcast being Notre Dame, but I'm trying to back up the point that, hey, people are saying he was a, a bad teammate. But again, that was mostly Isaiah saying that and Isaiah's bosses saying that because Isaiah wanted them to say that. And if you look at Isaiah after the NBA, he's pretty much been a disaster and failure everywhere he's gone. So if I go to my cheat sheet here, his first job after retiring was with the Toronto Raptors, total disaster. They were, let's see here. One of his, like his second to last year here, he left the team in utter turmoil. They started the year one and 19 and ended the season with 16 wins. As soon as they left, 
They ended up uh, making some trades, more or less being an executive you're supposed to be in the NBA, which Isaiah was not. They ended up making the playoffs three straight years in 2000, 2001, and 2002. So right after Isaiah leaves in the late 90s, they become a pretty good team. Don't win a title, but a pretty good team. Then he ends up going into the uh, – he bought the CBA, which I believe it was called the Continental Basketball Association, kind of like what the G League is now, you know, the minor leagues for NBA. Well, in two years, the CBA declared bankruptcy. Isaiah was a big part of that. So two for two, an utter front office failures by Isaiah Thomas, like what he pretty much was doing with the Pistons in late – in the late 80s and 89 when he traded Adrian Danley, just because he didn't like the guy. So then he goes to the Pacers. Remember when Larry Bird took the Pacers to the finals in 2000? But then he was pretty much, he just wanted to be part of the front office and stop coaching. They hire Isaiah. And they end up going 41 and 41 in the first season. And they finish in eighth place. And then my screen just went blank here. So I'm just bringing it back up. And he only lasted, I'm trying to see here again. Yeah, they went from the number one seed to 41 and 41 in eighth place. And then he ended up leaving there within a, I only, he only stayed there about three years. It looks here as I look at my cheat sheet. Then he went to the Knicks and the Knicks were like 30. It says 39 and 43. When he came, they're getting better, but they, I, hired Isaiah to be their GM. He made them the highest, yeah, the highest salary in the 2006 season, and they were actually the second worst team in the NBA. Further, he ended up in, and the worst part about this, he wasn't just a bad, you know, executive. He ended up, they ended up having to settle a $11.5 million sexual harassment lawsuit with one of the front office women uh, filed a lawsuit against Isaiah and the Knicks had to pay $11.5 million for this. So as you can see, and then he became the head coach at FIU total failure, failure there. The team's best record in the three seasons, Isaiah was there 11 and 19. So you tell me who is the cancer of the team in Detroit. Again, I, I'm sure AD, the dude liked to score. Don't get me wrong. And at times was a selfish player, but he wasn't like saying, I don't like this guy. Let's get rid of him. Like Isaiah was doing. I think from what my research shows, like I said, John Sally liked him, Joe Dumars, who was, if, if I'm going to ask anyone on that team, what they really feel, I'm going to ask Joe Dumars because like I said, he was a complete gentleman class act, even though he was part of that bad boys team, just, just a class act. And no one has ever said a bad word about him. But Isaiah had that fake smile, you know, that fake laugh, you know, where he thought he made you feel like you were the best person in the room. However, the guy was a complete phony and a total failure as an NBA executive. And to me, as an NBA teammate, yeah, they got two titles. But again, you couldn't press any uh, Isaiah's buttons. He pretty much ran the show. And again, great player. Don't get me wrong. One of the best point guards in the NBA. But he totally screwed over. Adrian Dantley into getting his ring. Again, greater tragedies in the world, but again, more just corporate BS within the Pistons front office where his own bosses were afraid of him instead of thinking about the overall good of the entire team. Again, Adrian Dantley should have had a ring for that 88-89 season, but again, 
And, and the thing was too, after even though they, they started to get pretty old, the Pistons, a lot of those players just started to leave too. Rodman left, uh, Lambeer retired, Vinny Johnson left. And I didn't get I didn't research too much of that. I know they were getting older, but was that because of Isaiah as well? Again, I don't want this to be a whole Isaiah bashing <laughs> podcast, but I just want to show you Adrian Dantley has somewhat been looked at as a selfish player in the NBA. And that's why the Pistons traded him because they were just, you know, going all to hell in that last part of the 89 season. And they wouldn't want him to the title. That trade is more or less just a wash. Again, Aguirre was probably a somewhat slightly a better defensive player, but they averaged pretty much the same amount of points per game. And again, it, it didn't need to happen. Isaiah should have been a true leader that he, everybody thought he was. But again, that it was just a fake smile. He was a total phony when it came to being a team builder. And it showed in his jobs after the NBA. He should just stick to like philanthropy, you know, raising money for charity and stuff like that. Because he cannot, he, he, any franchise that he's a part of is a total failure. Like I said, he bankrupted the CBA. I mean, that should tell you enough right there. He bankrupted an entire, I know that's not the NBA, but a total, you know, pro fran like league that's the word i'm looking at pro league he bankrupted so again i just want to say again at the time even myself i thought oh you know isaiah total nice guy he's got that great smile everybody seems to like him but the more you look into this with the olympic team the failures in the front office for everywhere he goes the failures as a coach he's just not a true leader and i know i'm not saying adrian dantley was but he wasn't the bad teammate that everybody portrayed him to be. So, um, again, I just want to say, give my shout out to Adrian Dantley. You weren't the bad person that everybody thought you were. And for my next podcast, we're still going to focus on Notre Dame basketball as we get further and further, uh, or further closer and closer to the uh, football season. And I want to take a look at if Mike Bray ever retires. Or goes to, I doubt he goes to another school. He's getting too old for that. Who are my top three candidates to take over the Notre Dame men's basketball coaching position? I want to, and I have the three already. I just want to do some research to, you know, back up my point. So again, sorry, this podcast went a little bit over. I try to keep these around 10 minutes, but I want to give you pretty much all the facts I knew of to say, hey, Adrian was this. But Isaiah was this. And again, I know Isaiah is not Notre Dame. But again, things are not always, you know, black and white. There's a little gray matter in there. And the truth is always in the middle. So again, thank you for listening to this podcast. And as always, go Irish.